Greetings, rare ones. My name is Joanne, and I started the Rare Birds podcast because I wanted to hear from people like myself who come from emerging markets or the developing world, as we're called, who are entrepreneurial, resourceful, passionate, and energized to take their vision from idea to startup. Each week, you will hear me interview founders and teams from across emerging markets who are in the early stages of building their businesses. From time to time, you will also hear me speak with established ecosystem builders, mentors, investors, and business professionals who share knowledge based on their years of experience. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in hearing from the next wave of change makers across emerging markets, building in various industries from agro to tech to health, beauty, and all in between. This podcast is also for those who have ideas, but they're not entirely sure how to make them a reality. They're looking for inspiration and encouragement. We call ourselves Rare Ones. And if this sounds like you, then welcome to the family. Sit back, relax, and listen in to our always so good conversation. Bye for now. And welcome to the Rare Birds podcast. Hi, Hi how are you? <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yes, yes. I'm so excited to have both of you on the podcast. So welcome again. So before we start our conversation, can you please tell us, Miriam and Animal, who are you? Where are you from? How did you meet? Okay, okay. Anima, you want to go first? Okay. Mm. My name is Ya Enima. Ya means I'm a Thursday born in Ghana. <clears throat> and Enima is just Enima. <laughs> I am I am the co-founder of Effinergy. And Effinergy is made up of it's a two-part word. Effi means waste or rubbish in the Akan language. And energy is just a shortened form of energy. So Effinergy waste from and um, waste turning into energy and i met my co-founder mariam who's about to introduce herself in a few minutes in school the beijing university of chemical technology so i'm going to leave it for her to continue our story brilliant <laughs> thank <laughs> you so much Shanima. um uh hi everyone i'm mariam and uh, i'm also a co-founder of afe energy which is a waste to energy organization and um, I'm from Bangladesh. Uh, I met my uh, my partner Anima at university when we were both doing our masters and um, I still remember how we came up with with this partnership and this idea. We were uh, just sitting around in our room. We were roommates at the time and we we were just you know talking as we did every night and we started talking about our lives, our families, our countries, the things we love the most. And we found that there were so many similarities and so many things that we could relate to and certain problems that uh, both sides were facing. And we, we wanted to really come together and do something about it. And that just took our friendship to a whole new level. So I'm really excited to be here with you, Joanne, and with my partner, Anima. 
Nice. Okay. Okay, ladies. So thank you for that introduction. So you were roommates and you were both doing your masters, right? Yes, we yeah. were. Okay. And were you doing your masters in the same in the same subject area? No, I was doing my masters in material science and engineering, and Mariam okay. was doing hers in chemical engineering. Okay, and both both of you met in Beijing. Did you guys do your degrees back in your home countries, your first degrees? I did. But Mariam okay. will tell you where she did hers. I okay. um, did my uh, bachelor's degree at St. Louis University, which I did my first two years in Spain and the, my final two years in the States. Oh, that's interesting. Very cool. And yeah. that would have been, I guess, in, in chemical engineering as well. It, it, the, the, my first degree, my bachelor's degree, rather, was in chemistry. Uh, my master's ah. degree was in chemical engineering. And currently I'm doing my PhD in Tianjin, Tianjin University, on environmental yeah. engineering and science. Yeah. Okay. So what brought you guys to, to China to study? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yes, uh, I love asking it. <laughs> uh, I, because I, I find that every student or every person here in China, everybody I ask this question to, um, they always have some sort of, their, their story's always a little different. And I, I love that. Um, mm -hmm. For me, uh, I was actually born in China. And mm -hmm. I've had a love of, my family, my father, my mother, my sister, they all speak Chinese. I've had a love affair with China since I was born. And so after I finished my bachelor's degree, I, I felt it was time to, to mm. come back home. Kind of, This is my second home. I consider China my second home. So it was time to come back to China and, um, uh, you know, find out more about uh, where I was born. So I came here, did a year of uh, Chinese, and then I just haven't left since I met my husband here, well, at the time, boyfriend, and then we got married, mm. we live here now. So, you know, China's just been a huge part of my life. Okay, wow, mm. that's a story I have not, I've heard a lot of different stories of how people got here, but that's one I haven't heard. So that's really nice. My yeah. story of how I came to China, is a bit different from Mariam's. Mariam is a veteran, a China veteran. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it for sure. <laughs> I actually came to China because all my friends were coming to China. I mean, after our first degree, our bachelor's degree, everybody was applying to China. And I wanted in on it because I didn't want to go with where my friends were not. So we all applied. And interestingly, they all applied to Wuhan, Wuhan University of Technology. And oh. I wanted to do something different. So I applied to Beijing. And so it mm. ended up being like we were still separated. Although we were in China, <laughs> we were still separated. Mm. So I, I guess that's how it was destined to be. Yeah. yeah. I've actually heard, thanks for sharing um, how you guys got here. I've actually heard a lot of more of Anima's story in that um, all, all of my friends were coming, so I just wanted to come too. I wanted to go where my friends were going. I've heard a lot of that. But then obviously there's also the case of scholarships and, yeah. you know, it's uh, uh, lots of different reasons. But majority of the times people tell me it's because their friends were coming and they said they wanted to go where their friends were. So that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then 
you come together, you start this business. So let's talk about what exactly is your business and what what are the what is it aiming to do? What problem is it solving? Um, who's answering that? Maya or I? Uh, <laughs> maybe anybody. whoever, anybody can answer it. Well, maybe, may, I know Miriam, because I met Miriam at the Afri Celerate, which is the yeah. pitch competition that you guys won. Yeah. So um, I know I know Miriam's pitch. So maybe, Anima, you can tell us the pitch. <laughs> Your <Okay>. turn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ask me again. Okay, so what is, maybe just give us your pitch. Tell us very briefly, what is your company? What does it do? Yeah. Or what problem does it solve? All right. Infinity is a world-class company in the making. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't giggle. It's true. It's true. It's definitely yeah, on the way. Yeah, I went to energy startup. We okay. convert plastic waste into a fuel source using a simple technology, a very, very, a very simple technological process called pyrolysis. So we turn the waste through pyrolysis to fuel oil. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. But together with, together with, we have a trash to cash system where people bring their plastic waste and we give them incentives. Some, some of these incentives are points, some of them are talk time, and then sometimes money. Mm, so very interesting. Okay, and you said the, the process that you use to convert the plastic waste to oil, what is that process called? Pyrolysis. Ah, plastics to oil. Okay, and what exactly does that process involve? Uh, it just involves heating the plastic to the appropriate level, and then naturally it will separate into its different components. Right. And then that, okay. And then that oil is then used to power homes, businesses, yeah. cars, mm -hmm. generators. What have you? Just like diesel. Just like diesels. Okay. Interesting. So, okay. So, Miriam, how long have yeah. you guys been building this business? Wow. Um, we've, We've been uh, talking about it for for I think over three three years. Uh, it's but four I years, think we, 2020. Four. This okay, year, it's four, four years. years. There you go. Oh my mm -hmm. goodness, four years. We've been talking about it for quite a while. I think it's uh, it was uh, then 2016, I believe, yeah. mm -hmm. is when we really started. Um, end of 2016 is when we really started. Uh, wanting to turn this into uh, a project. I remember we had just discussed the idea. We hadn't really thought about turning it into a company when we first talked about it. But as time mm -hmm. passed, we really, uh, we, read, we read more about our idea. We, figured, we, we did more research on the problem at hand. And uh, we realized probably at the end of that time, at that year that, um, it was a problem that we really wanted to fix. And it wasn't just for Dhaka or for Ghana, or I'm sorry, Bangladesh mm -hmm. or Ghana. It's it's a problem that we just see everywhere and it's rampant. And um, I know that there are so many um, proposed solutions to the problem, which are all important. But mm -hmm. uh, we we just realized that this was just, this would be a much faster 
approach if we could get it off the ground. And so it's been about, yeah, four, three, four years that we've been trying to get this off the ground and make it a, make it successful. Right. Yeah. Okay. And what are some of the challenges like on, okay, well, before we talk about the challenges, so in both, you said one, um, when you guys were talking on one of your many conversations that flatmates have about everything, right? Um, you realized yeah. that you were experiencing some of the same challenges in your countries, I guess, around plastic and, and environmental challenges or whatnot, right? So yeah. In what are some of the, the similarities that you found in both of your countries around plastic or environmental pollution or renewable energy or just anything within that subject area? Um, one of the things that uh, really stuck out to me was uh, the extent of the problem and how people seem to neglect it, how easy it was to neglect the problem. Uh, mm -hmm. If you think about Bangladesh or if you think about Ghana, one of the biggest differences there is population. Bangladesh right. is, has a tiny amount of land, but a large number of people. We have a mm -hmm. huge population and Ghana, on the other hand, not as big a population. And still, the problems are, um, are just, are pretty much the same in both places. And mm -hmm. so what it, it just really um, struck me that uh, it doesn't matter where you are, that mm -hmm. that neglect, that ignorance is something that we really need to um, we really need to address. And it's not just uh, about the technology, because this is something I say and, and, and I learned from my professors and my mentors that you know, the science and technology for any of the world's problems or most of the world's problems, let's say, they already exist. It's mm -hmm. it's the acceptance of the solution. It's it's being ready to take on the solution that doesn't mm. um, that takes so long, you know, yeah. um, and that's something that both of the countries, I think, um, are yeah. are suffering right from now. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because change takes a really long time, especially if the people are not used to that. Mm. So yeah. it's changing attitudes. It's not yeah. that the technology doesn't exist. It's just that the changing the mindset and the attitude towards accepting this, this, the solutions and the technology are, are perhaps the biggest hurdle that you face. No, it's actually um, the change in changing in mindset and behaviors. Because mm. um, there's indiscriminate littering. I'm talking for Ghana at the moment. There's indiscriminate mm. littering. People don't search their waste. And it's just the changing of the attitude towards waste. That's the biggest hurdle. Because if the attitude towards waste changes, then the technology will definitely, definitely take off. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Um, just, just the word waste, I think it's become so... Uh, uh, what's the, it's it's just become misused. We we use we abuse that word. You know, we, when we mm -hmm. use the word waste, we think it's something to throw away. We don't need it anymore. But either that word needs to change, or we need to remove it from our vocabulary, or we need to redefine what it means. Um, mm -hmm. In waste is just material. It's just mm -hmm. and therefore it's just another resource. And that's how we need to start looking at all sorts of you know, per, quotation mark, wastes, you know? Mm 
So has a big part of developing your startup also been education campaigns and awareness? Does that play a role as well in what you're trying to do? Yes, that definitely you know, plays a role. Absolutely. Because even for our trash to cash system, education needs to be done for people to know about it and use it. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about that system and how it works? Mariam, do you want to go? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the trash for cash system, uh, it's once again, uh, none of our ideas are, you know, you know, out of a magic hat or anything. This is something that people have been using uh, uh, in many parts of the world. And what, what it is, is it's an incentive system. Uh, mm-hmm. we, in exchange for your waste, and in, in our case, we're specifically focusing on plastics right now. Uh, mm-hmm. So in exchange for your plastic waste, for a certain amount of plastic waste, what we would do is we would uh, give talk time or data, which is something we think that especially the youth and anybody with a phone actually would be very interested in, um, and or even cash. And this is just an incentive system to get people going and uh, right. also to bring awareness to yeah. what's happening to in, in on a few different levels. One is don't litter, do something else with your waste. And the right. fact that, oh, my waste isn't, you know, worthless. There's mm. value to what I'm holding in my hand that I'm about to throw into a, you know, onto the street instead of doing that. If I mm. exchange it for something, I get something in return. And if we can slowly use this system to kind of change mentalities that um, it's not just a cash prize that you're getting at the end of the day, you're getting a cleaner environment, you're getting mm-hmm. a cleaner community, you're getting... Um, you're getting fuel, you're getting something that, you know, the plastic is going to come back to you at the end of the day. You're going to get it as diesel and it's going to help run your city. Um, Mm -hmm. And that knowledge, I think, is something very important. And I want to tag this onto the whole um, concept of education as well. We really want to uh, bring in the youth. We want to excite them about what we're doing because, you know, we're just, you know, we're just two people. It's not really... Mm -hmm. The two people at the end of the day aren't the two people that matter. It's the idea. If we can right. get this idea to just ignite, you know, yeah. that that is the real goal. Because there's so many different solutions to the problems the world is facing. Um, and if we can just kind of get this one thing to happen, use it as a platform to 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 move other solutions. I think, you know, that would be the greatest um, goal, and that would be the greatest yeah. achievement from what we're trying yeah. to do. For sure. And what about yeah. just everyday recycling and upcycling in your country, in both of your respective countries? Is that something that is um, on the agenda from from government or from uh, I don't know social enterprises or NGOs? What is the state of that in both of your countries? Um, in Ghana. In Ghana, recycling is something that that has been thrown around for a very long time. And Mm -hmm. it's realized that recycling is not the the, the solution to our problem. The solution is getting our waste in a circular economy, in that 
when the waste is produced, the produ right. the produced waste is now a resource for another link of the um, of the chain. It's not like mm -hmm. they are producing and then it ends up being a waste, but the waste is now a resource. That mm -hmm. is what the linear economy and recycling has done to us. It right. makes it makes our waste stay as waste, and then they end up in landfills, taking up land and valuable mm -hmm. space. But our our plan and our if energy is sitting right in the middle of a circular economy. A circular economy is, is it means that there's a cyclic chain to all this. This the the cycle never ends. So your okay. waste doesn't end up as waste. I use your waste to create something else. And our mm -hmm. slogan is garbage in, garbage gone. So when you put mm -hmm. give us the things you think are garbage we turn it into something very creative, something very mm -hmm. useful, and it's no right. longer garbage. That's why we say it's garbage gone. Mm. So recycling in our heads, in our eyes, is not the solution. Right. Upcycling right. is also not the solution because at the end of their lives, they still end up as waste. The solution mm. is to get them mm. in a circular economy. And that is what mm. they do. Interesting. And what about in Bangladesh, Miriam? Any recycling, so in, upcycling efforts over there? Yeah. So in Bangladesh, what um, what you'll notice is there's actually uh, a huge movement when it comes to uh, uh, waste management, and it's happening mm -hmm. on the grassroots level. It's happening in uh, very small kind of communities. Uh, people are doing it individually or in little groups. Uh, mm -hmm. And the government is has made uh, waste management a huge priority. Mm -hmm. However, um, I don't know. I don't know the um, you know the nitty gritty of how government works. And um, but I do under I, from what I see, uh, there's a lot of bureaucracy. There's a lot of red tape. And um, even though it's a priority, uh, because of all these hurdles things are moving mm -hmm. really slowly. Um, mm. And that seems to be the main problem that I, that I see in, in Bangladesh. Um, it's just that pace at which things get done. And, um, you know, that's something that I, I uh, you know, I've also noticed with, with our own project, trying to start it up in, in Bangladesh, um, things happen at a different pace than you would want it to. And I'm sure everybody faces that on every on some level in every country. I'm not talking about all other countries, though. I'm just talking about Bangladesh. Uh, mm -hmm. Things just happen at a at a pace which can sometimes become kind of um, discouraging, very difficult. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, that's what we're battling right now in, in Bangladesh trying to get things to get started yeah right right um you know i was recently listening to have you guys heard of the doha debates no okay it's one of my recent obsessions well it, it the doha debate okay. it's a series of debates that are um out of doha in qatar and okay. the the host the one of one of the 
the journalists involved, she's Brit. Well, she's Afghani, British Afghani. Her name is Nalufar, and she's got a podcast, right? And recently okay. on her podcast, she had this scientist talking about turning rubbish into treasure, right? Through upcycling mm. and recycling. And at first I was just mm. like, okay, yeah, you know, turn plastic bottles into like blah, 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 whatever. But she mm. is actually doing some serious stuff. Like, I mean, taking very, just very simple things and turning them into other useful things, like at the molecular level. Mm. So yeah. um, turn it, turning cardboard boxes into paper bags. I mean, so it's not just going to the landfill. It's actually being used and com and completely being generated into something entirely different and i thought that was really interesting like she was talking about mm -hmm. turning rubber tires into steel i didn't even know that was a possibility you know but um oh, oh it's just the steel the steel rings in it can just be um turned into steel like melt it and then reshape it into something a bar yeah yeah so yeah. she so she she was talking about solving the problem, the landfill problem, and how we can actually turn basic these basic materials into new materials. And I think she said she's like the director yeah. of like a materials research department somewhere in the UK. And I didn't, I mean, I knew this stuff was happening, but I didn't know to the extent yeah. that it was happening. And just hearing all mm -hmm. of the different things that that she was doing, it was like a real eye-opener for me. Do you think that yeah. these types of things are possible in in countries like yours? Or do you think this is, you know, where that's that's way further ahead and you just kind of have to start with, with pra more practical things right now? Um, for um, Ghana, I don't think it's impossible because I've seen a number of people who even use plastic waste and interweave them with cane and raffia to make baskets very beautiful baskets some use mm -hmm. them to make clothes and, and mm -hmm. i think it's just um it all has to do with the creativity and the drive of the people yeah actually um what you just said reminded me of a uh, a study that i was reading uh recently mm -hmm. as well um uh, in the United Kingdom, what they mm -hmm. had just uh, they had just come up with uh, a, a method of reusing plastics and turning them mm -hmm. into parts the, the the sockets that you need the adapters that you need for prosthetics and mm -hmm. using this recycled plastic to make this uh, would uh, and and would end up making the prosthetic adapter cost about $10 where it can easily cost up to 500 to $5,000 on mm. you know, if you just buy a normal one. And that's yeah. something that they are going to adapt in India. And it's, it's something that I wish, I, I hope that we can soon bring to Bangladesh as well, which I, because I think that would um, change the lives of so many people who need that very necessary, um, that very necessary aid in their life, you know? Um, and mm -hmm. so, yeah, absolutely. These kind of uh, solutions are are so important, I think, that yeah. these, the creativity when it comes to looking at waste and not seeing it as, you know, something to be discarded and that it has no more use and, and um, turning it into something that uh, people can appreciate and use and there's a function, finding that, yeah. that function 
and and um, giving it that second life or that third life even. Um, I think that's really important. And anybody who's doing that, everybody who's doing that, you know, huge shout out to them. It's amazing. It's it's always yeah. so inspiring when when I hear these stories. Uh, it, it it's also what kind of drives me whenever I think about what we're trying to do. Um, and I feel like, oh, it's not working out. And then I hear stories like this. I'm like, no, we, we got to keep trying. I'm sure we can get this to catch on soon, you know? Yeah. I tell everybody I know to listen to Doha Debates. And now that they've got this podcast, it's amazing. Because they talk about, like, massive problems around the world that need solving. Like the water scarcity crisis and globalization. Mm. And they did a, they did an entire piece on picking our plastic habit. I mean... You should definitely check it out. I'll give you guys the link afterwards. But um, oh, I think you mentioned check it out. Yeah. you mentioned India. I think isn't India a leader in like using plastic to pave roads or something like that? Like, um, I think or something I believe, along those lines. I believe I there know. might be a few cities in India that do that. I know that um, in England there are a few yeah, cities. Yeah, they do it. That yeah. Um, that that do that. Um. The, yeah, so um, I don't think they do it everywhere. That's that's yeah, the yeah. first thing. And um, mm-hmm. the, the problem with... Actually, the, I, I, I couldn't tell you all, what the problems technically are um, with, uh, with using this kind of method. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. I, when I first heard of uh, using it for pavements, I, I thought it was an absolutely great idea. Uh, this is yeah. also... See, like, that's the thing, like... Um, it, it, it always baffles me that there are so many different like things and solutions to the problems. We just they're mm-hmm. just not catching on fast enough. The one that um, just like, for example, the one that Anima and I are focusing on waste mm-hmm. to energy. Um, mm-hmm. it, it we just wish in our countries it would catch on fast enough, mainly because if you look at the countries where they are doing it, now it's, mm-hmm. it's come to a point that the communities and the societies are so dependent on this new form of fuel and so yeah. uh, accustomed to it that they're actually, um, because of the deficit of plastic waste in their countries, they have to import plastic waste just so that they can create this fuel that is in demand, you know? Um, Mm. so we want to get to that point and we're talking about countries like Finland and Denmark where, um, this technology has just taken off. It's, and they are, they are kind of, they are the case studies upon which we want to, we, you know, we're pushing this because if it's working there and they've done it so well, we're sure that we can, you know, manage it in our countries as well. And if we can, if we can prove and, and the other thing is, um, see, once again, I don't, like, all the solutions that I hear about, mm-hmm. I, I, every, I, everyone is just better than the next. The, yes. the, the only reason, like, we're focusing on this specific one, at least from my point of view, is that mm-hmm. both our countries have two problems that are the same. One is the waste management problem, the po- mm-hmm. waste pollution that we have. The second is we both suffer from this huge energy deficit and yeah we both really we, we we need energy in any form that we can get it and um mm-hmm. if we can turn a problem into a solution into two types of solutions it just mm-hmm. um it makes life 
better for everybody who's involved. But yeah. Yeah. We're just, I think. It, yeah. You want to add to that, Anima? You wanted to say something? Um, I think Mariam has literally said everything about that. It's just about the similarities and I wanting to kill two birds with one stone, which is very yeah. possible. Yeah, yeah. And you guys mentioned the Nordic countries. I think they're the leaders in everything green, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. The Scandinavians oh, yeah. and, and the Dutch as well. Anything having to yeah. do with um, green, sustainability, um, even when it comes, because I used to work in the construction industry, they were always the leaders in like really? the green architecture. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. They, um, they're the leaders in that area. We can learn a lot from them. I mean, I know people always say they're tiny countries and it's easier for them to get things done, but they're quite, they're quite um, innovative in this area and they tend to take risks. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and that's 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 it right there. You know that taking taking a risk, and it's not a risk that you don't know anything about. It's it's an mm -hmm. educated risk, and, and it's, it's about time. One. You know, yeah, it's about time mm -hmm. that the world took some educated, very educated risks. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's really important. Now the actual process that you mentioned earlier which is py pyrolysis is yeah. that is that is that safe is there any like danger involved in that or is it like completely 100% green process how does it work okay so pyrolysis uh yeah it it is it is safe to the mm -hmm. as long as you know you're taking all your precautions uh and okay. the reason why i say this is you've got a container that you're heating up it is completely closed so there's right. a pressure buildup so you need okay. to make sure that your container is built properly and mm -hmm. you've taken all the safety precautions before turning on the heater um mm. but other than that yes it is completely safe now okay. if we talk about how green it is now, right. this is something that I've um, uh, had to talk to a few people about. Um, yeah. The, the method that we use, pyrolysis, mm. it is green to the point where nothing bad or nothing harmful is being given mm -hmm. out, uh, is being put out into the environment due to the process itself. Okay, so okay. There's, um, there's a little bit of heat given off. And mm -hmm. uh, the most of the heat and any other gases that evolve from it are being put back into the system, the system. to pr yeah. help us produce more heat and energy for the entire plant. So nothing is being, uh, nothing is leaving the system itself. So we don't, it's mm -hmm. not a polluting system. Now, the mm -hmm. part that um, a lot of people like to point out immediately is, well, you're, you're creating diesel. Yes. And at yes. the end of the day, diesel is a fuel. You're going to burn it. It's going to cause pollution. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yes. Mm -hmm. um, that is something that I agree with 100 uh, percent. So mm -hmm. in that case, maybe that last bit you would say is not green. Um, however, and this is this is what this is where I guess I really support this uh, this method. It's that. Firstly, we are 
cutting, we have to think in terms of life assessment cycles. And life assessment mm -hmm. cycle is taking any kind of process or any kind of product and you start from the very beginning of how it starts, of, of its conception. And if you think mm -hmm. about diesel or any other fossil fuel, if you think mm -hmm. about the exploration, the costs that it incurs, and the simple amount of damage that it does to the environment, we're eliminating all of that. We are using mm. an alternative resource to create our diesel, which is also helping cleaning up the environment, cleaning up ecosystems, allowing eco other ecosystems which have already been destroyed or disturbed be mm -hmm. renewed and to be, um, we're giving them a chance. Um, and then we are creating something which unfortunately in the countries that we're looking at, it creates a, it, it helps out with our energy deficit. Now, right, right. if we then, if we can just still stop at the fact that, okay, but it's still diesel. All right. Mm -hmm. Let, what we can do then is understand that once we've s solved our plastic problem as well, mm -hmm. we can, this is going to change because the way our waste, the way, um, the, I guess, um, the nature of waste will change and evolve with us as human beings. So now we right. have waste that we didn't have centuries ago. You know, we've got e-waste, we've got, you know, solar panels. I mean, soon plastic, we hope soon, um, this might not be a problem anymore. Mm. We're going to yeah, have yeah. other things that we need to deal with. And so if we need to, if diesel is the problem, I'm sure we're going to find other ways to use it up. And diesel doesn't just have to um, be used for one thing. We can. There are other um, chemicals that come out of our pyrolysis diesel. reactor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from yeah. diesel. You've, from got, our you've, got from crude, our you've got crude oil, kerosene. There's other things, right? I mean, it's not just yeah, diesel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So we can we can optimize this. We can optimize the reactor depending on what it is that we need. There are other value-added chemicals that we can attempt to, yeah, you know, extract. Yeah, exactly. Um, by the use of catalysis and other reactions. So it's not just, you know, a one-way street. There are mm -hmm. multiple directions in which we can go, but we do yeah. need to start somewhere. And what we're doing is first we we really want to solve these two problems. And then we'd like to use it as a platform and as a space for research and, and, and to see how we can take this bit that is problematic mm -hmm. and how, how, can we, how can we adjust that to make it even better, you know? Turn it into, turn yeah, a, yeah. just make it yeah. even better, I, so yeah. I think, I think one of the, in my mind, the biggest pushback on that could be, well, you're talking about, and this isn't an excusable, it's just the facts. You're talking about the developing yeah. world, right? Where yeah. people, yeah. you know, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, people are surviving, right? <laughs> this is yeah. not the United States or Britain or Norway, people where they're a bit more high up. This is in the developing mm -hmm. world where you have a massive amount of people who are still just surviving, meaning day to day, yeah. the basics. So you have to start with one problem at a time. And yeah. if the big problem is plastic, you start there and then you try to minimize yeah. that that problem and then you go to the next yeah. step. 
which is okay, we've got this diesel, but then through maybe through the plastic, you know, this this pie, I can't even pronounce it right, pyrolysis. <laughs> they, <Very can>, <laughs> they can be some some other form of innovation can come from that yeah. that you can then do with the diesel and everything else. So it's kind of like step by step. And I think yeah. when you look at it in that way, then you realize, okay, it's kind of like a lofty idea to kind of attack it and say, oh, well, you're creating another type of problem, but this is the problem. And this is the big problem. In addition to that, Thank you've got you. an energy shortage as well. So I think those, um, those, I guess those critiques would, I don't know, where are these people from? Have they ever lived in a developing country where there's like any, any time throughout the day, the electricity just goes out and you're constantly living off of a generator? I mean, I, unless you've lived <laughs> in that kind of environment, you really don't know what it's like, you, really you know? Yeah, you don't understand. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I mean, actually, when I was growing up, <laughs> sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, what were you going to say? Another reason why it's imperative for us to solve this plastic waste is that um, the, pl um, the rainy seasons are coming. And you find that, especially in Ghana, mm. because I'm from Ghana, so I'm talking for yeah. Ghana, the plastic waste that have been littered around choke the gutters and there's no water to pass. So there's a lot of flooding. And that, that, that is really one thing that destroys lives and properties. So it's, this plastic waste problem, it's one that we have to solve by hook or crook. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What were you going to say, know, Miriam? I was, uh, firstly, I was going to say thank you. you. You put that so well. I could not have done it any better. Um, Joanne, thank you so much. Because I grew um, up, I grew up where once a week you just knew the electricity was going to go. Like you just knew. Okay, we're not gonna have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're exactly. like in the, you're yeah. in the middle of. Yeah, you're in the middle of something, and it's like okay, generator. Yeah. Where, you know, and not everybody has a generator. You know, not exactly. that's not that's exactly. not the way it works. And exactly. I grew up knowing that you have to go and get the kerosene lamp. That was a part of my reality growing up. You gotta go get the lamp, you gotta go get the oil, you gotta do that. Oh, yeah. Like it's just no big deal to us. But that should not be yeah. the norm. <laughs> no? yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but but you know, it wasn't it's not so much my friends from developed countries that asked me the questions. It's actually I mean, there are there are a few people who do, but it's it's actually more from the developing countries. Uh, I, I have a lot of friends. I find that shocking. I, find that I shocking. know. I mean, it's just, it's because there's so much information out there, you know? Um, and mm. it's constant, people are constantly being bombarded with a lot of different information that they don't, they know very little about. But mm. so they have a huge array of information, but they don't know too much about everything in, in depth. And so yeah, yeah. There's a lot, you, you'll see people talking about how we need to move to a greener society, but the steps that need to be taken, it, it's a lot, it's just a little bit more complicated than no more fossil, you know, like drop the fossil fuels, you know? Um, I, I yeah, do yeah, wish yeah. it was like, you know, no fossil fuels. I, I would love a world like that. And I, I, I hope to in some way contribute to that to that movement um yeah it, it just takes it just takes time and we need to be able to have a plan for that um yeah. and one th one thing that i did want to add uh mm. when when it when it comes to this is that because we are in developing countries whatever that means mm -hmm. to the rest of the world i take that as a huge <laughs> opportunity 
I take that as a huge opportunity because, you know, we see what the developed world looks like right now. And, you know, it's great, but there are some flaws. And I think we have an opportunity to bypass. We, We have an opportunity to learn from history, to learn from our present as well and create, Mm. uh, turn our developing countries into countries that don't face those problems, you know? Mm. Um, Mm. I I hope that we don't have to go through the whole, um, you know, century-long energy problem. I hope, hope we figure this out in the next 10, 20 years maybe, and Bangladesh and Ghana will be on the same you know level as every mm-hmm. other country in the next 20 mm-hmm. years that's that's my that's my dream for the for our countries for all other countries that are struggling to you know to get there as well um i think we're in a time and in a place where we can achieve that and we just need to kind of get the ball rolling now mm. and we don't know what other kinds of innovation will come from Sorry, go ahead, Anima. Go ahead. I'll say we don't think it's impossible because if China has been able to do it, then we should be able to do it as well. <laughs> yeah. Everybody references China, but it's true, though. China has done a lot in the past 40 years, haven't they? Yeah. Huge. Yeah. China's doing done a lot. I mean, just what it's done in the last month, I think, is amazing. Um, yeah. I, 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 I feel like having this conversation right now and not bringing up the situation of mm-hmm, COVID-19 mm-hmm. would would be remiss. So I had to bring yeah, it yeah. up. Um, no, it's fine. And, yeah, yeah, for sure. And and just what China has done in, in, in containing the problem. Uh, you know, I, I mean, nobody is faultless in this, but I think mm-hmm. they've, you know, they've just really, uh, they've taken all the right steps there taking it very seriously they're taking all the precautions uh, parallels with the conversation we were having before by saying that sometimes we've got to do something that's imperfect to create something perfect in the long run if that makes sense mm-hmm. you know like this this tragedy has happened and it's really bad but i think a lot of good and innovate innovation will come out of it and i think the process you're doing may not be perfect but you have to start somewhere you've got to create that that, that I guess you got to get things moving, that momentum, yeah. and then eventually yeah. more things will flow from there, as opposed to just not doing anything at all. I mean, if we want to, we can criticize everything and then nothing happens, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So Absolutely. It's, it's like, what are you going to do? I wanted to shift the conversation a bit. I wanted to talk about what is it like being women in this field and building a business in this field? Is that even an issue? Should we not even talk about it? <laughs> um wow this is a this one is a it's a tricky uh tricky one question for me i find it really tricky um you know for most of my life i i've been on this earth 30 years so uh Mm. for for most of my life i haven't um faced the you know the the gender problem uh yeah it's it's just school you go to school you get good grades or you don't um you know you do what you do and then you graduate and then there comes that time when you're not just a student anymore you become you kind of have to start fending for yourself 
And yeah, yeah. then you start noticing all these little things that you didn't notice when you were, you know, mm-hmm. safe in your school. And, um, yeah. and, unfor- and, and I think also because uh, people are talking about these things a lot more now. And mm-hmm. so they pop up. You start mm. seeing it, you know, once, once you, you know, buy a car, you see that car everywhere. Um, yeah. So it, it's happening to me now. It's happened. It's been happening to me the past five years. Uh, mm. I've just been noticing. Uh, I don't know how much of it is, you know, my head telling me that, oh, it must be because you're a woman or, or how much of it is actually because, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman and uh, <laughs> mm. I'm having certain difficulties. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in general, I've had very positive, you know, ha- had a very positive relationship with everybody that I've worked with. The only yeah. place that I've personally had a, a bit of a problem would be back mm-hmm. home in Bangladesh. Mm. I, I, there's a, uh, a lot of the things that we talk about when it comes to, you know, educating our girls about how they should feel about themselves and educating our boys about how they should feel about themselves and how they should feel about women as well. Um, those things are things that are, you know, coming into perspective for me now. And um, just cer- some of the things that I learned as a girl about, you know, how I should behave when I'm in the presence of men or oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. how I should, you know, uh, hold myself or uh, um, noticing that when I go into a room and there are other men there, they won't look me in the eye or um, how if there's somebody, if I'm talking, they, they'll address somebody else and still re- they, mm. they'll, they might still respond to what I say, but not mm. directly at me. And, so, and I don't know whether it's just, I, I think it's had, a, it's had an effect on me both professionally and personally. Um, mm. And it's, mm. it's just something that, uh, knowing that women are talking up is talking about it now it's given me the confidence to kind of address it as well but the one thing that I uh, tell a lot of people and this is something I used to tell people when it wasn't such a problem but now I have to tell myself that mm-hmm. uh, civility goes a long way you know how sometimes um, people tend to become very rude for for whatever it is that they believe sometimes they believe something that's absolutely correct and sometimes they believe things that might not always be correct and people become Mm -hmm. very rude about it i think Mm -hmm. civility and respect and trying to as much as you can trying to um understand the other perspective and talking to them and uh trying to be direct and Mm -hmm. without without trying to insult or harm the other person has gone a long way for me. Um, mm. So mm. I know that was, I spoke about that kind of vaguely, but that's kind of the best I could do right now with uh, just thinking about this particular issue. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Thank you for sharing. And you, Anima? <laughs> Anything on the topic? I feel like Maya has covered everything. <laughs> I feel like mom has covered a lot of it, but um, let me just add a little bit. In my undergrad class of materials engineering, we were just four mm-hmm. girls amidst over 60, 60 guys. 
and mm. it was like the pressure was always on us to set the pace because if you don't do well in a certain subject or something people mm-hmm. point to the fact that she's a girl she's not supposed to be in this class and mm-hmm. if you do well they still say she's a girl she was favored mm-hmm. she was favored by the lecture so oh. it was always like what 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 exactly do you want us to do we do well you talk you do, we don't do well you talk so what do you mm-hmm. want so in the end we yeah. just ended up we just stuck with we'll do well no matter what we set the pace yeah. so that yeah. no matter what you 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 can't you can't say that oh they're girls that they're, they're in the wrong place mm-hmm. and so they didn't pull their weight the pressure was too much for them we saw it mm-hmm. as it wasn't just for us it was also for mm-hmm. people coming after Mm. and nice, it's nice to know that we've all pursued our postgraduate courses and one is and no two are now doing their PhD sponsored by fully sponsored by a company so it makes me proud you, of that so you're doing a PhD as well Anima? no not me me I want to concentrate on if energy for now okay, I want to okay, build but I know. right for Miriam is Miriam is doing I, a PhD I am. Yeah, my is doing okay. So, one co-founder doing her PhD at the time. At this time, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 Anima is currently back back in Ghana, and Miriam, you're staying here to finish up your PhD. But at at some stage, I guess Miriam, you are you planning on going back home to Bang- Bangladesh? Um depends you know we're we're working and we're trying to get this going in both Ghana and Bangladesh so depending on where I'm needed depending on where Anima is needed we'll kind of move around uh according to the you know the needs of the company um yeah what um what closing words would you like to share with our audience about um about anything it could be about building your business it could be Building, being a woman, building your business. It could be about energy, plastic, pollution, anything. What closing words would you like to share with our audience? Anima, you can begin if you like. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I have a lot to say. Yes. So speak your truth. Okay, Miriam, go okay. first. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, firstly, I just I want to say thank you, Joanne, for having us. This was wonderful. Uh, I loved having this conversation with the three of us. Um, and what I really want to say is, you know, I, I hope there are more people having these conversations out there in the world and uh, discussing the problems that surround them. And uh, I hope that people can really go out and find a nice group of people with whom they feel comfortable sharing their problems, discussing these issues, and um, discussing different points of views, and sure. actually doing something, taking action, and um, uh, and and looking forward to a different future and a better future. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Thank it's you. My, awesome. So soon it's my turn again. Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <so soon. laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> okay. 
Thank you, Joanne, for having us. I've enjoyed myself. And thank you for giving us a platform to share about us in our business, our upcoming world-class business. Yes, I love that. And <laughs> being a woman in in the creative arts and in engineering. Oh I my gosh, we did, you have to tell us about that. Creative arts, you have another business. Oh. Go ahead. Yes, yes, I forgot you have oh. more than one business. Okay. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nani's Creations. Nani's Creations is just a brand that seeks to um, celebrate African culture through jewelry and accessories. Handmade, trendy, beautiful, magical jewelry and accessories. So that's what Nani's Creations is. So being the founder and the creative director of Nani's Creations, I'd just like to encourage everyone, woman or man, to not limit themselves. Mm. Because, because you never know what you're capable of. If you limit yourself, you wouldn't be able to reach your best self. So don't limit yourself. If you feel like you should bake cakes, as you said earlier, whilst, mm -hmm. whilst Whilst being an Uber driver on the side, who cares? Mm -hmm. Just be your best mm -hmm. self. You have, yes, you have yes. nothing to lose. Plus, yes. being a woman too, don't be afraid to go into the STEM or the 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 limited in quotes places for women because you don't know yes. what magic you are going to bring to the place. Someone might mm. be looking at you, and it just might be the change you want to see. So, mm. just don't limit mm. yourself. Don't limit your mindset because mm. as individuals we bring so much to the table although we don't know mm. yeah. beautiful beautiful so indeed and i like that yeah. and you're doing both like, you're you're a creative and you're technical at the same time yeah yeah thankfully <laughs> <laughs> absolutely 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 all right ladies well that was an interesting conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was wonderful. And thank you to your audience for listening to us. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think. Okay. All right. Thank you. And bye for now. We can tell everyone goodbye. Bye. 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 Hey there, Rare Ones. I hope you enjoyed listening into this week's conversation. The Rare Birds podcast is available for listen across all major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Anchor, and several more. Please share our conversations with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do so by opting in on our homepage of our website, www.rarebirdshq.com. The weekly newsletter provides analysis and data around the topics explored in our weekly conversations. Lastly, I would love your feedback and spend way too much time on Twitter. My handle is included in the notes section of each episode. Tweet me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, and feedback because I'm always looking for ways to improve my craft. If you absolutely love what you heard, then rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week for more conversation. Bye for now.